It's not E3 week. There are two new VR and AR headsets that are now competing for your love. Plus, a bunch of game announcements reminded us that 2023 is actually a great year for gaming. Tonight is June 11th, 2023, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say even uh, if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Riffer from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That's right. Everybody's getting their rave emotes in the chat. Played a played a rave song before we went on the air tonight. Made, made it good to you know not worry about the fact that I started a little bit later. But hello, hello. Uh, welcome to a not E three edition. Of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. This one's going to be about this week, because this SSJ100 Matt, actually, he actually asked in our chat room, anything actually happened this week? It was kind of a slow news week. Yeah, it was very slow. Yeah, It's so slow, I'm going to talk about something that happened last week. That's how slow it is. Anyway... So, uh, but yes, we uh, do tape the show live each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash network. Come join us, interact with the chat directly, and I'll try to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night. Wish me luck. Uh, but we are a podcast. I understand that. We do have a Discord server that you can interact with us throughout the week and see all of the stuff, uh, all the announcements that uh, that you might have missed if you're not living on the internet. Go over to vognetwork.com slash Discord. That will get you the free invite into our Discord server. And uh, you can uh, you can keep up with things there and even comment on previous episodes or comment on things that uh, you may want me to talk about later. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, so that is where... Uh, that, that, that's, uh, that's where you can find us, but let's go ahead and get into, uh, to get into two weeks ago, because as, uh, we were on the show, uh, two weeks ago, when I talked to Rob and OLR, he's like, you had an entire hour and you didn't talk about the MetaQuest three. And you're, you're absolutely right, Rob. I didn't, I was talking about SGDQ last week. Well, that's now two, three weeks ago. So now let's talk about the MetaQuest three coming out. So, uh, yeah, so there's uh, there's some new VR stuff. So I hope Pod Culture has all of his drinks ready and lined up. Uh, so we do have, uh, according to Upload VR, Meta has officially announced Quest Three shipping this fall, starting at five hundred dollars for the one hundred and twenty eight gigabyte model. The company revealed the headset's design and key features. Uh, it has a forty percent slimmer optic profile, Meta's highest resolution display yet, and a next gen Snapdragon chipset with more than twice the graphics performance. Meta confirmed Quest 3 will be sold alongside Quest 2 and Quest Pro, not yet replacing either. Meta says it was offer an additional higher storage option for Quest 3, but did not share pricing or storage details for that model. Uh, so Oculus Go, uh, Quest, Rift S, and Quest 2 all use the same Fresnel lenses, but last year Meta introduced its new Pancake lenses in Quest Pro. Pancake lenses support smaller panels at a closer distance and thus a slimmer visor. Quest 3 uses Pancake lenses as well, enabling its much thinner design compared to Quest 2. Pancake lenses also offer superior visual clarity. For Quest Pro, Meta claimed 25% better sharpness in the center and 50% better at the edges. And I will say, I did get a chance to use a Quest Pro for like two minutes one time. And yes, it it does look really nice on the inside. And those lenses do uh, make, make a good difference. Um, didn't get to do much with it. But uh, I did uh, I did get to, you know, kind of look around and you look at the menus and, you know, no screen door effect that I could really discern, even though I don't see the screen door effect as many, much as other people. But uh, but yeah, so they they claim that it's going to be better and it is going to be better. Uh, Quest Pro does have a uh, slightly wider field of view than the Quest 2. So this may be the case for Quest 3 as well. Uh, Quest 3 is also going to preacher a high resolution color pass through mixed reality thanks to dual 4-megapixel RGB cameras. Meta says that this delivers 10 times more pixels in pass-through than Quest 2. So what this essentially means is that you can see your room without taking off the glasses, and now you can see it in color. Because other headsets, uh, like the PSVR 2 headset and even the Valve Index, they offer black and white. 
um, this is actually going to have color. So you can actually see color, and it is high-res, and it's going to be in 3D. Uh, the headset also includes a depth sensor for a more accurate representation of your play space. Meta says that this lets you seamlessly blend your physical world with the virtual one and will go beyond today's mixed reality by intelligently understanding and responding to objects in your physical space. So this is a little bit different than what we've seen in the past. I have worked with uh, the HoloLens, and you're going to hear a lot of comparisons to the Microsoft HoloLens throughout tonight because that, that's the AR headset I've used, and it uses basically the Kinect uh, Microsoft Connect technology to map your play space, but it doesn't do it in real time. You map it out, and the PlayStation VR 2 does this as well. You map out your play space by looking at it, but it doesn't do it in real time. So that's the interesting thing that I'm just gonna I'm gonna wonder what's gonna be with Quest 3 is that can it tell in real time that your play space has changed rather from what you had originally mapped it to? It also talks about the new Touch Plus controllers. Uh, ditch the tracking rings. From the Quest 2. Uh, Meta says this is thanks and advances to tracking technology. It makes the controllers feel more like a natural extension of your hands and take up less space. They also feature True Touch Haptics, the 3.0 HD haptic feedback system used in the Touch Pro controllers bundled with the Quest Pro. That is your HD rumble or your dual sense or whatever. It's the same technology. They just all have to name it something different because trademarks. Um, the thing that's gonna and that interests me personally, and because I've talked about this on the show before is uh, I am actually stereo blind. And what stereo blind means is I don't actually see in 3D. Uh, my eyes, I had eye muscle surgery when I was 18 months old uh, because I had a severe lazy eye. I still have a lazy eye today, but it's not as bad as it was. And I see, I've seen some pictures of me uh, when I was, you know, before the eye muscle surgery, it was bad. Uh, so they corrected it when I was 18 months old, but not really. But what that means is that my, my eyes are not sending a true 3D image back to my brain. So my brain just processes each eye separately, and I just switch which eye is my dominant eye. But it means I don't see movies in 3D. I don't see 3D movies or anything like that, except I've talked about this before, where I do see 3D in VR, and I actually get depth perception in VR that I do not get in real life. And it's because of the way that it targets, the, the, the visuals target my eyes. It actually fools my brain into thinking, oh, you are actually getting a 3D stereoscopic image from your eyes. Here, let me decode it for you. And it is a really weird feeling that I am not used to. Um, and the way that I explain it uh, to, to, to people that you, if you have stereo vision, which is the majority of you, probably every single one of you, uh, is that you can perceive the amount of the volume of air between like maybe like your computer monitor and the wall behind it. I don't perceive that. Uh, but in VR and as Pod Culture points out, the 3DS as well, because the 3DS does this as well. The lenticular screen hits my eyes in the right way. I actually perceive this, but uh, I do not perceive i i just intrinsically know based on other visual cues how far away my monitor is from my wall mainly because i put it there but it, it but you if you were sitting at this desk you would actually be able to perceive how much how much air is between the wall and my monitor and you know how far it is uh, i've had this my whole life it doesn't really handicap me or anything like that um, and you know, I can drive and everything because I use other visual cues, just like how you, when you play a driving game on your console, you're watching a 2d TV screen, uh, and you can drive just fine. So people always ask me if I can drive because I can't see in 3d. I'm like, yes, of course I can. Um, but having this high res color pass through, I wrote an article on Vogue about 10 years ago, six, eight years ago, something like that. Um, about how, since I can see in 3D inside the glasses, can VR glasses be like corrective lenses for my stereo blindness? And I've done this before. The 3DS was a great example. I would take pictures with the 3DS and then look at them in the 3DS and actually get the depth perception that the rest of you get. And, you know, uh, that's actually a very interesting feeling. Uh, and, and it's one that I've kind of always kind of wondered, is this something that can happen uh, with these headsets? And it hasn't really happened that much yet uh, with the pass-through cameras, but it's because they've been like black and white and low res and kind of staticky and stuff. So I'm really interested to see if the Quest 3 gives me 3D vision in my current space with these cameras uh, because they're going to have, they're, they're four megapixel each, 
Uh, they're going to be in color. Uh, and it's I'm it's going to be interesting to see if this means I will be able to see the world around me with depth perception because I can in the headset. Now, it's uh, unfortunately, it's not complete 3D uh, that I can see. It has to be kind of the more extreme elements. So like the 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 small ones, the small tiny bit, I still can't perceive. But I can actually perceive the over-exaggerated or the far-away ones. Uh, so that's kind of the one thing in here that I'm I'm excited to try out because I haven't been able to try that out yet uh, or see that in any of these other headsets. Um, but, uh, you know, this may be the one to get me on the Quest bandwagon. I stayed away from the Quest and the Quest 2 because of the Facebook requirement. Uh, they've eliminated the Facebook requirement, and then they raised the price of the Quest 2 because they could no longer track your information and sell it to their Facebook partners. So they had to make up that money somehow, and they raised the price of the headset. Uh, but it's going to work with all the Quest 2 apps, and they're going to have new Quest 3 apps, and they've got controllers, and so you've got a good uh, good sense of, of how, to, how to control things. And so I'm interested to hear more about what's what that's going to be. But then this week, Apple finally invented VR. So, uh, really, they invented AR, augmented reality, but they don't call it that, as Tiger Claw points out. Apple invented AR, has just invented AR, but they call it spatial computing. So, that, that is what they're, they're calling it. It's called the Apple Vision Pro. And uh, it is uh, the new new hotness for AR. So where so where this is different, why I'm calling it an AR headset, not a VR headset, is because the MetaQuest line, MetaQuest three, and really all of them, they are VR headsets that can do AR with cameras. The Apple Vision Pro is an AR headset that can do VR by completely obscuring your view of the outside world. So I would not get a stereoscopic view of the outside world with the Apple Vision Pro because I am just looking through the glass and seeing like a window into my room. So I get the same depth perception that I normally would. Uh, but this is uh, this is the big, highly priced device uh, that we've kind of all been waiting for for a couple of years. Upload VR reports that Apple has, has announced the Apple Vision Pro. Apple CEO Tim Cook announced it just minutes ago as a one more thing at the WWDC 23 keynote presentation. Uh, it was a revolutionary new product made to power an entirely new AR platform. Vision Pro will ship in early 2024 in the U.S., available through Apple Online or in-store, starting from $3,500. Apple says Vision Pro will ship to more countries later next year. So, yes, $3,500, really $3,499, but who's counting? Um, this is $500 more than the Microsoft HoloLens cost uh, several years ago. The Microsoft HoloLens was $3,000. Now, this is also a fully self-contained computer. Uh, you do not need to tether it to anything, just like the HoloLens was its own computer on the inside. Uh, you can tether it with your your Apple devices, but you don't have to. So it is its own computer with its own OS, own software, and everything like that. Tim Cook described it as the first Apple product you look through and not at. Uh, it is a revolutionary spatial computer that seamlessly blends digital content with the physical world. The headset allows you to place apps around a representation of the real environment. You can, quote, see, hear, and interact with digital content just like it's in your space, unquote. The headset features a slim and sleek design with an outward-facing display that can show a live view of the user's eyes on the exterior using a feature called EyeSight. The front of the headset is made of one singular piece of glass connected to an aluminum alloy frame. The facial interface, described by Apple as light seal, comes in a range of shapes and sizes and is made of a soft textile. The strap, or headband, is a three-dimensionally knitted as a piece, a single piece to provide cushioning, breathability, and stretch, and features a dial to adjust its fit against your head. Just uh, like the light seal, it will be available in multiple sizes, and the strap is detachable from the side of the headset, which Apple says uh, it makes it easy to change to another si uh, size or style of band. The headset features an external wired battery pack, which Apple says will give you up to two hours of power when in use. The headset can also be alternatively be plugged into a power outlet for all-day use. 
There's also an Apple Watch-like dial on the side, a digital crown that lets you blend between full AR, 180 degrees of VR with an AR view behind you to full VR. Uh, he says, just quote, just as the Mac introduced us to personal computing, the iPhone introduced us to mobile computing, Apple Vision Pro introduces us to spatial computing, unquote. This is where I talk about how Apple says it invents things. The iPhone did not invent mobile computing. I'm just saying it did not invent mobile computing. Uh, there were mobile tablet computers, mobile computers. There were pocket PCs that ran Windows Mobile 5 and stuff like that. Uh, but they claim, but what they're using is the word introduced. It introduced the masses. And so this is actually going to introduce the masses to an interface like this. Because frankly, nothing in the video that uh, that is that they were using as their reveal is something that hasn't been done before, really. Um, the HoloLens did a lot of this, just probably not as well. Uh, the, the field of view wasn't this, this wasn't as big. Uh, the HoloLens had a lot of very first-generation things going on with it. But you could run any UWP app, Universal Windows Program app, on your HoloLens in a, in a window, and you could place it around in your, play, uh, in your area and walk around it, and it would just basically stand there, which is everything the Apple Vision Pro is doing. Uh, so it's not nothing here is really new in the sense of of what they're doing. It's just Microsoft's HoloLens was not aimed at the common person and the Apple Vision Pro is. What it's using, they're using a new operating system called Vision OS. It is the first operating system designed from the ground up for spatial computing and the start of an entirely new platform. And that is that is something different from what Microsoft did. Microsoft just used uh, embedded Windows in its in the HoloLens, it will feature a user interface controlled by the most natural and intuitive p inputs possible: users' eyes, hands, and voice. Once again, everything the HoloLens did. Eye tracking and hand tracking support will allow users to browse through apps by simply looking at them, tapping their fingers to select, flicking their wrist to scroll, or using voice to dictate. Vision OS will include its own app store, offering users custom-built apps for Vision Pro alongside hundreds of thousands of compatible iPhone and iPad apps that automatically work with the new input system for Vision Pro. Users will be able to position apps around a representation of their environment using a three-dimensional interface that frees apps from the boundaries of a display so they can appear side-by-side -side at any scale. Vision Pro will support Magic Keyboard and Magic Trackpad while also allowing users to display and control their Mac from within the headset via a virtual 4K display. Apps like FaceTime will allow users to position those in a call around the environment in life-size tiles and use spatial audio to position their voices correctly. Those joining a FaceTime call via Vision Pro will be presented to other users by a persona, which is not a demon that fights other personas. It is a digital representation the user cre created using Apple's most advanced machine learning techniques that reflects your face and hand movements in real time. Um... Tiger Claw says the battery pack only two hours. Someone will make that la one last for way longer than that. It will just be bulkier. Yes, I'm sure you could buy bigger ones or you could just plug into an outlet and, you know, hook it up to a generator and, and you know, stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, so this is an AR headset that they are really aiming at using your apps in AR, uh, using your Mac apps. And, and that's really what they're aiming this as. Uh, they didn't show that many games. And one of the things that's going to make it hard for games is the input mechanism. Um, the, the difference between what the HoloLens had and what this has uh, in terms of the finger tapping, because the finger tapping and everything, that was everything the HoloLens did. The HoloLens, you actually had to hold the, your hand in front of the HoloLens so the Kinect cameras could see it and track it. With this, because there are cameras all around, you can have your hand down by your side and it will track it. Uh, theoretically. Now, how is that going to work in reality? I don't know. Um, but Apple has also revealed things that I'm like, how is that going to re work in reality? And then it turns out working in reality. So I'm not really going to to bash it until I've actually seen it in person in a non in in a place maybe with crappy light, uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. So uh, th there's many variables that we don't know about just yet. Fifth Dream says, I'm so glad Apple invented VR by making an AR headset for 10 times the price of my VR headset. So here's, here's the thing. Now that Apple has introduced the masses to this concept, 
this is going to spurn copycats that are now going to try to do what Apple did so they can take some of those that mark share and do the things that Apple does for a lower price. So that's what I talk about when the Apple invented AR and VR. Apple claims to invent mobile computing, yet most people have Android phones. They don't have iPhones. Apple just introduced the idea, and then other people ran with it. Apple did not invent the iPad, but now there are plenty of tablet computers. Um, Apple did not in, invent the smartwatch. There were other smartwatches, but now every you know now Fitbits exist and stuff like that that are not the price high price of the Apple name brand. And so that's what's exciting is that we kind of needed a shot in the arm for AR and VR, and Apple inventing it and introducing it is really going to be the shot in the arm that we need for other things to happen. So so that that is why I'm excited for it, because I'm probably not getting this, uh, because I'm also not all in the Apple ecosystem. Uh, so I don't have all the other devices that I would probably need to make it worthwhile. Um, and and you, they really want you in the Apple ecosystem. They want you to have an Apple Watch or an Apple uh, a MacBook or Apple keyboards and Apple mice and things like that. You're not going to be able to use other peripherals with this thing. Uh, and you're going to need to have everything in your Apple wallet and everything to, to even buy apps for it and things like that. So they're, they're trying to get you in their ecosystem. S. Jerry Matt says they did go out and make a lot of big name partnerships with this Disney being the massive one. And, uh, and yeah, so like Disney Plus is going to be coming. They actually mentioned 3D movies, like 3D TV and 3D movies. They actually mentioned that stuff. And I'm like, does that mean 3D movies are going to make a comeback? Because now you can watch them in, in your Apple Vision Pro. Uh, is Disney Plus going to start carrying 3D content again? Uh, well, they never did in the first place. But are they going to start carrying 3D content? Like, that's that was one of the interesting things because 3D Blu-rays actually still exist in, like, Europe. They still make them in Europe. They don't sell them in the U.S., and you can't get, like, 3D TVs anymore. But I'd love to see them do that because then that might get PlayStation to bring 3D Blu-ray support to the PSVR 2, which it doesn't have right now. The PSVR 1 on the PlayStation 4 can play 3D Blu-rays. It actually renders them in 3D in the headset. And once again, since I can see 3D in a headset, I can actually see some things in 3D. I can watch 3D movies. Whereas if I go to a 3D, a real 3D movie at the local movie theater showing the new Avatar or whatever, uh, and I put on the glasses, it's a darker 2D. I actually do not see the 3D in those. Um, but Apple actually talked about 3D movies and 3D television. You know, watching Avatar in 3D in your Apple Vision Pro. Um, I did appreciate on the one sports ball uh, thing in that, and I don't know if it was in the video. I wasn't actually watching the video I was airing, but I watched it uh, when I watched WWDC. And it's, it's, I am very happy that now when they do like a big college football highlight, it's no longer, and I, I probably, so people who hate sports, go forward 30 seconds because you're not going to understand any of this. But uh, I am so happy that they no longer use that stupid second and 26 to a Tunga Viola touchdown at the 27 uh, 2018 national championship game when alabama beat georgia which i was at i spent like 1800 dollars to go to that game and that's how it ended so screw that uh they now actually use georgia doing that to ohio state at the end to take the lead and so i'm so happy that now when they use a amazing college sports clip college football clip it's my team on the winning end instead of my team on the losing end which is what it's been for the past six years okay you're good no more sports ball talk the only person in chat that appreciated that was SJ and our Matt. And uh, Pod Culture's checked out. He's gone. Anyway, and Tiger Law says most people that will buy this thing will be the kind that have unlimited income. No, that's not that's not the case, unfortunately. Apple is a name brand, and people will buy that do not have unlimited incomes will buy Apple products because it's Apple. I know many people who don't have unlimited incomes that buy a four thousand dollar MacBook because it's an Apple product when they could buy a better laptop that runs windows, unfortunately for them because they don't like windows, but a, a better laptop that runs windows for 1500 and they would, they'll pay the $4,000 or the $5,000 for the Apple product. And that's what Apple knows. And that's what they're banking on. And you know what? The Apple vision pro it's going to sell out. And then we'll see what they do with it. We'll see what happens from there. And we're going to see how the rest of the market reacts. 
And as Sharon and Matt says, the price is high, but if you think of it as a substitute for your 4K TV and Mac computer with the monitor, if you think of it that way, it kind of balances out in theory. And remember, Apple is the company that sells a monitor stand for $1,000. Not the monitor, but the stand is $1,000, and people buy it. So... Uh, but yeah, they want this to replace your monitor and uh, you know the, the stand. Uh, now you don't need a desk anymore, you know. So that's where Apple's uh, putting this. Now, what does what does what does Zuckerberg at Meta think about the Vision Pro? And he, he actually makes some of the same points that I started making. And, and ones that I was making when I was watching the Apple Vision Pro trailer. The Verge reports that uh, Mark Zuckerberg is not phased by the Apple's uh, by Apple's introduction of the Vision Pro. He says, in a company-wide meeting with Meta employees the Verge, that the Verge watched, the CEO said Apple's device did not present any major breakthroughs in technology that Meta hadn't already explored and that its vision for how people will use the device is not the one I want. It's according to him. And I'm going to read his quote in a second. He also pointed out the fact that Meta's upcoming Quest 3 headset will be much cheaper at $499 compared to the $3499. So it's $3,000 cheaper to get the Quest 3. So what Mark said, he said, quote, Apple finally announced their headset. So I want to talk about that for a second. I was really curious to see what they were going to ship. And obviously, I haven't seen it yet. So I'll learn more as we get to play with it and see what happens and how people use it. Once again, now that Apple's invented VR, Meta's going to watch and see what people want and implement it for cheaper. From what I've seen initially, I'd say the good news is there's no kind of magical solutions that they have uh, to any of the constraints or laws on physics that our team hasn't already explored and thought of. They went with a higher resolution display, and between that and all the technology they put in there to power it, it costs seven times more and now requires so much energy that now you need a battery and a wire attached to be able to use it. They made that design trade-off, and it might make sense for the cases that they're going for. But look, I think that their announcement really showcases the differences in values and the vision that our companies bring to this in a way that I think is really important. We innovate to make sure that our products are as accessible and affordable to everyone as possible, and that is a core part of what we do. And we have sold tens of millions of quests. More importantly, our vision for the metaverse and presence is fundamentally social. It's about people interacting in new ways and feeling closer in new ways. Our device is also about being active and doing things. By contrast, every demo they showed was a person sitting in a couch by themselves. I mean, that could be the future. Uh, that could be the vision of the future computing, but like, that's not the one that I want. There's a real philosophical difference in terms of how we're approaching this and seeing what they put out there and how they're going to compete just made me even more excited in a lot of ways optimistic that what we're doing matters and is going to succeed, but it's going to be a fun journey, so, unquote. So that's what Mark Zuckerberg said. He basically said, look, Vision Pro, the Vision Pro, it's a sedentary, solitary uh, existence where you're sitting there and you're using your Mac in, or your iPhone in the space around you. And you're doing the same apps that you already do. You're just now doing it in the space around you. Where Meta wants you to be interactive. They want you to be up and moving. They don't want you sitting on the couch. They want you being social and and having new experiences. The Vision Pro is honestly not giving you any new experiences yet. Other than, hey, you know, we can black out your entire vision. You can pretend like you're on the top of a mountain, you know, stare at the sunset. Which is something you can do with a lot cheaper headsets. And as Jeremy Matt says, innovate is the keyword here. Something like the Vision Pro will help kickstart VR and AR innovation. Yes, people are going to get into the space. Developers are going to get into the space and realize that the WWDC is the Worldwide Developer Conference. So it is analogous to Game Developer Conference instead of E3. So while consumers are probably like, what's in it for me? What's in it for us? What this actually was doing, what, what Apple was trying to do with showing the Apple Vision Pro was to get developers ready to develop for this headset. And there there are already things available to compile things to the headset, to test things and start working with what's going to be in the headset, even if the headset isn't in your hands. And one of the other things they were showing is that they've, they're working with the Unity game engine. So now you can actually develop for uh, your Unity apps to work with the Apple Vision Pro. And that's not just VR, that's AR, because the Microsoft HoloLens also uses Unity to develop for the HoloLens. So you can actually develop AR apps in Unity as well. 
and they want people to be able to port their experiences that they've already made for a Quest or for the HoloLens and port them over to the Vision Pro. And they're releasing those tools now, and they want developers to think about it now. So when, in early 2024, this comes out, there will be a range of third-party content available for the device. And that's really what they were doing at WWDC. This was not really the consumer launch. This was really the developer launch. Hey, devs, this is what we've got. We want you to develop for it. And as Sherry Matt says, developers, 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 developers. Well, yes, it's WWDC. It, that's the developer conference. That's showing the developers all the new gadgets that they should develop for. And then if Apple really likes your idea, they're going to steal your, th- threaten to pi- buy your company, not buy your company. Instead, develop the idea on their on their own and push your company out or just hire everybody that your company uh, to, to, to work on their version of it. Questbuster says, if anything else, Apple has gotten people to talk and speculate about what kind of experience it really offers for $3,500. It's one thing to see a stage demo, but how it will actually feel in working with someone's lifestyle, habits, work week, etc., the way the iPhone has. I still don't see people wearing this all the time and doing work in it. Uh, the, Hol- the HoloLens, they thought you would do that as well. That obviously didn't happen. So uh, I don't see that as, as something that we can... Uh, that's going to happen in this first iteration, but you never know. Apple has surprised us before. Going away from that for a second, let's talk about some of uh, the announcements that happened this week because it's not E3 week, it's Summer Games Fest. And yes, despite Twitch trying to say you can't play burned-in video ads on Twitch, uh, which they walked back, which is why I'm not spending too much time on it, uh, the entire Jeff Keeley-verse of burned-in ads for two hours burn-in video ads that Twitch doesn't get a 30% or 50% cut of or whatever. Uh, it happened on Thursday. And so there's a couple things that I want to talk about, and people in chat can throw out their own things that they want to talk about. Um, but uh, so th- there were two games that I kind of wanted to highlight that I was excited about from Summer Games Fest, which is the Thursday announcement. And uh, the first one, it's uh, I- I'm into the, the, the... Now it's called the Like a Dragon series. It is not the Yakuza series anymore. It is the Like a Dragon series. So they, they've got Like a Dragon Gaiden. And uh, this is uh, this is going back to... Uh, I thought Kiryu Kazuma's story was over. And it really, his, his story ended with six. Uh, Yakuza 6. But this is now uh, continuing that. And it is an action brawler again. Uh, so it's more the Kiryu storyline and it's an action brawler like the first six Yakuza games. Uh, but he's now becoming kind of like a spy agent type of thing. So, uh, and, uh, and so this, I, I was, I thought was really interesting and it's good to see that they're keeping the brawler thing, uh, going, which means that hopefully the next mainline, uh, like a dragon, the next numbered one, which we will talk about in a second, uh, will still be the turn-based battle, but yes, you, in this Yakuza guy, uh, in this Like a Dragon Gaiden game, uh, you still uh, have people bringing knives to bicycle fights and sign fights because you're picking up signs and bicycles and hitting thugs with them. Except now you're like a spy, secret agent type thing. I don't know. And uh, it's 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 the 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 man who erased his name. Uh, so Kiryu is no longer Kiryu. He has no name anymore. He's just, uh, he has no name, but it's Kiryu. It's the Kiryu we all love and got to know for many, well, who we had the chance to know for like 20 years. It's coming out November 9th, 2023. Uh, But uh, we didn't until like very late, like after he had been around for a while. Uh, So yeah. And then uh, the other game that they showed off uh, and they were like, hey, the rumors are true. A uh, big RPG announcement. We're like, oh yeah, they they had all the Persona leaks and stuff. No, no, no. It was Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is uh, the next version of remake, um, and it's going to be very hard to talk about this game without spoiling the big twist in Final Fantasy VII remake because there is a twist in it, uh, and uh, it 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 really kind of shows where they're going with this, and it's going to. I have friends who are like, I'm not going to play remake until they've remade the whole game. And I, it's really hard for me to try to explain to them why they're never going to play it then. Um, so uh, they did announce Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. They announced, as Questbuster pointed out, it is on two discs. 
which uh, blue the the discs that they use for PS5 games they can hold roughly I think like the double sided ones can hold close to 100 gigs on them. Uh, I know standard Blu-rays hold like 40 gigs or something like that. This is coming on two discs, which means it's probably close to 200 discs. Uh, and E3VL says download disc and play disc. Uh, well, unfortunately, on the PlayStation, everything's downloaded. On all on PlayStation and Xbox, uh, it downloads the entire game to your hard drive. You actually play nothing on the discs because discs are too slow. They physically cannot spin the discs fast enough. So they you you just you basically it's it's a content loader and that's it and then the disc is just your authentication key at that point. Uh, you don't actually play anything on the disc anymore. Uh, the Nintendo Switch you still play off the cartridge, but uh, since the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four, uh, you no longer played off the disc. Just discs are too slow. But that that means like if it's that much, I'm like yes, I'm going to buy physical because I still have a download bandwidth cap. And if it's two discs, then that's probably close to one-fifth of my monthly down, uh, bandwidth cap to download this if I bought it digitally. And somebody on Twitter did mention that, well, you know, they're going to give a day one patch that's the entire size. I'm going to take my chances and hope that they don't do a day one patch that is the size of the entire game. Some developers do that. I'm going to hope that they don't. So I can, you know, kind of save my download bandwidth cap and play other things and watch other streaming shows and stuff and not have it all taken up with downloading Final Fantasy VII. Uh, because I'm going to play this game. I'm going to get this game, and I'm going to buy it physical. Not collector's edition, but just so I can have it not count against my bandwidth cap. And Questbush says, uh, uh, PlayStation 5 for uh, Horizon Forbidden West is also on two discs. And Fistream says, I'm doing the preservation work. Hold on to those discs. Oh, I- I'm... I'm positive now that there are a lot of people that are holding on to all these discs and there there are societies out there that are holding on to all this stuff because as we're learning things are disappearing in gaming. So yeah, so they announced Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth at the Game Awards in early 2024 on two discs for the PlayStation 5. Uh, so the other things that people were excited about for Dark Tetsuya, it was the Prince of Persia 2D Metroidvania. Um, so that was one of the first things they showed from Ubisoft. And then the 2D new 2D Sonic sounds like it'll be really fun. It is, uh, it's basically reimagining the original Sonic uh, games with the uh, updated graphics and updated physics of some of the other uh, games that are coming out. So who knows? It might actually be really good. Then uh, today was the Xbox showcase and the Starfield Direct, and I'm sure Nintendo wished they had copyrighted the term Direct, but they didn't. Um, and uh, so so uh, at this, there were two Persona games shown. And uh, I'm a big fan of Persona and the Persona series. And uh, they showed off Persona 3 Reload, which is Persona 3... Made in the Unreal Engine, it is kind of a it, it's it's not a remake. It's it's kind of a remaster, somewhat. Uh, so because what we got was Persona Three Portable is what we've gotten recently, which is kind of a pared down version of Persona Three. Uh, but then also on the PlayStation Two, there were two versions. There was Persona Three and then Persona Three FES that added an additional uh, final part. It added a f- female. Uh, main character for whatever reason it looks like this trailer is even the english version of the trailer is in spanish so mike deft is is having fun with this uh i'm sure and uh what they've actually said is that persona 3 reload is actually just the base persona 3 game it is not fes which was the superior version on playstation 2 it is not does not have the additional stuff of portable and and so we we've, we've got four versions of Persona 3 and none of them are the definitive one. We do not have a definitive edition of Persona 3 and there's four versions of it and none of them are definitive. And I, I guess maybe because they're going to do Persona 3 FES Reload and then Persona 3 Portable Reload, I don't know. But Atlas likes to release things multiple times and add more things and stuff like that. The other uh, Persona game they they announced was introducing Persona with another genre. And uh, they've done this a couple times now. Uh, Persona 5 Strikers was a Dynasty Warriors game in the Persona universe. And now 
we've got a Final Fantasy Tactics uh, game. And I'm going to say that, even though it's probably, I should probably say Fire Emblem for the kids today. Uh, but it's a Final Fantasy Tactics game set in the Persona universe. So this is going to play like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, Fire Emblem, any of those games that have, you know, a grid and squads and you're moving around and, and doing different things. So uh, it's going to be, I, I, I've not really gravitated a lot to those tactics games. Um, I've tried them. Uh, I enjoyed the music in Final Fantasy Tactics. I enjoyed the environment of Final Fantasy Tactics. I just didn't really, I'm not into games where the battles are 45 minutes long. Like, it's hard for me to get into that, uh, where every battle is 30 to 45 minutes long, I should say. Um, obviously, in some turn-based RPGs, yes, like, some boss battles can be 10, 20, 30 minutes. But in, like, a tactics game, like, every battle is a 10 to 15 to 20 minute in uh, deal. So, uh, I am happy that both of these are on Game Pass. Both ta- uh, Final Fantasy, or both Persona 5 Tactica coming out on November 17th, and Persona 3 Reload uh, coming out in early 2024. Both of those are going to be on Xbox Game Pass. And so I will be able to try them there and uh, not put down the money for it. Now, uh, Fifth Dream says, I just bought Persona 3 Portable again on PC. Why? Frankly, Persona 3 Portable, it's it's actually great. And uh, I, I have been playing it on Game Pass and I stopped playing it because I got Gamer ADD, and now I'm like, I really should finish it, because I'm like more than halfway through it, and now I'm like, but I'm going to forget how I was doing everything. So, and then the last game that I want to talk about, uh, which uh, is, uh, I, they, they played this on Twitch. Like, this aired on Twitch, so I should be able to air this on Twitch, right? Um, because, uh, as Questbuster says, then there's Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth with Ichiban Kasuka showing up naked on a beach for reasons. And uh, so this is, and everybody's wondering, like, is this a a new mainline game? And yes, this is Yakuza 8, or now Like a Dragon 8. Uh, and, um, and, uh, and yeah, so essentially in the trailer, which I'm kind of queasy about actually playing on my stream, uh, but uh, uh, it's Ichiban wakes up on a beach in America, which they did by having Ichiban's Japanese voice actor doing the Japanese, but everybody else around him is in America. So for some reason, he's in uh, probably California, uh, and uh, I, we don't know why he's in California. But I do want to mention that everybody's because everybody's like wondering, like, is this really Yakuza Eight? Uh, or, or like a Dragon Eight, and it is because some people were like, "Well, it's not like a Dragon Eight; it's like a Dragon Infinite Wealth." Yes, but if you look at the logo of Infinite Wealth, it's got an infinity symbol, which, if you turn your head ninety degrees, you will see it's an eight. This is like a Dragon Eight. E three L says, "I like how it's set in uh, set in America. Uh, it at least a little bit of it is." So we'll see how it is. It is the eighth one, and uh, RGG Studio did confirm it is number eight. So uh, th- those were what I was excited about. There were also some others. Uh, there was a uh, Phantom Liberty, which is the Cyberpunk 2077 uh, expansion. Uh, they actually brought back out breathtaking Keanu Reeves, who was really hyped up for this. It was, it was kind of weird, because I know Keanu Reeves can talk normally. I know he can talk normally. I know he's capable of that. And for some reason in the reveal uh, of Phantom Liberty, when he was up there, uh, he wasn't. And I know he doesn't do illicit substances or either. So I I, I don't know. Um, but he did uh, announce that uh, Idris Elba is also in Phantom Liberty. And from what I understand, now Cyberpunk 2077 is actually a pretty good game. It's It's fixed a lot of the bugs. It's not as buggy as it was when it came out. They fixed up a lot of things. So, like, now it's like, it's now's the time to try Cyberpunk 2077, the base game. Terraclaw says he was hyped up since he got to work with Idris Elba in the new DLC, except he, you could kind of tell, like, he never met, or he's probably met Idris Elba, but they didn't work together. These voice actors, they're not in the same booth. They're not even in the same place. Um, and they're not done at the same time or anything. And it's the same way for, like, most animation. You don't actually get to work with your co-stars. And Dark Tia says he was definitely trying to sell it, but I was already on board from the initial announcement. Yeah, so um, those were kind of the big things that came came out and were shown. Uh, a lot of people are excited for some other things. We've still got some stuff tonight. Uh, the Square Enix thing's going on right now. Uh, apparently, we are getting the Final Fantasy 16 demo tomorrow for PlayStation 5. So we're going to be able to try Final Fantasy 16. Pre-orders are down 
on that. Uh, maybe that will sell people on it. I might go ahead and, you know, order it uh, so I could pick up the physical version, like at Best Buy or something, and just so I can get, like, a pre like a digital pre-order bonus. I'm not getting the collector's edition or anything like that. Questbuster does mention that Phantom Liberty about Cyberpunk 2077 will be overhauling the base game when it comes out from skill trees to having auto combat. The changes will be so huge that a second playthrough might be a good idea. Uh, and, and I might do that uh, because I played it on Xbox One uh, because they didn't have the Xbox Series X version. And I was like, well, when I buy my new PC, I'll get Cyberpunk 2077 on it. I never did. Um, but now I've got a PC with a, the high-end graphics card that I can enjoy every part of Cyberpunk in it. There's there's more of that. There's another Xbox showcase that's showing things they didn't show. Because um, uh, elsewhere in the Xbox showcase, they just showed a new Fable. Uh, they showed um, they showed a new flight simulator that gives you jobs. So it's kind of like having jobs in the air. Uh, then they showed uh, Dune expansion for flight simulator. Um, they showed the new Forza, Forza, Forza Motorsport. But there's a lot of stuff they didn't show you. And they're doing another direct or another Xbox showcase like on Tuesday. So things aren't done. And uh, uh, there's going to be more announcements and more stuff we can talk about. And the Final Fantasy seven, uh, the Final Fantasy sixteen demo drops tomorrow sometime. So uh, we'll have more about that. Normally, I play music break. Not going to do that. Um, uh, also, uh, normally we take your calls. I'm not going to do that either because I uh, don't have uh, don't have time because I really do want to get to. OLR and E3VL does say the majority announcements were CGI and not gameplay. They had a big thing at the bottom and you can see if it was captured in engine. So maybe it was CGI, but it was CGI captured in real time from the engine. Um, so you, they would show that a lot where it was like, yes, because now they're doing all these cinematics in real time. It's actually easier to do them in the engine and capture them than it is to do a pre-render. Um, so that that's kind of my take on that. But they always said at the bottom, if it was in engine or in game, uh, they would kind of specify if it was in-engine versus in-game uh, or if it's not final. There was one trailer that actually had some stuttering, and they're like, quality not final. Because they wanted you to know that, like, this is not, you know, it's not running at 60 frames a second yet. It's kind of stuttering. Uh, but people probably didn't look at that. But coming up next here on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash Network is Orange Lounge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. Uh, that talk about games for much, much longer than I do, and they've, they're going to talk a lot about these announcements. I am sure of it. Uh, so we like to check in with them and uh, see what's going on. Sacramento, are you there? I am here, Bobby. How are you? I am doing well. There's uh, 2023 <clears throat> is a great year for gaming. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, well, I mean, we already knew that before this week, honestly, with yes. all the big titles that are yeah. you know underway, really, with uh, you know Diablo Force kind of started off yep. this month, and uh, you know Tears of the Kingdom a couple yep. weeks ago before that. So it's we're already underway, yeah. really. Yeah. Well, and even earlier in the year, I mean, remember Hi-Fi Rush was this year. Yeah, and like, that's true. Me, that was that was great. And then you know, for me, Theater Rhythm, you know, yeah, playing that way too much, and uh, you know, and Octopath Traveler two, which I want to get back to, and the Pixel mm-hmm. remasters on console, mm-hmm. like, and this, we're only halfway through. That's right. We still don't necessarily know big holiday releases yeah. from Nintendo. Yeah. You know, I, I know, I know they've been a little bit shifty on you know confirming if anything's coming, but I, mm-hmm. I still refuse to believe they're not going to put anything out there over the holiday. Oh yeah, it's no, they'll, they'll have something. They'll yeah. have something. It's and it's going to be everybody's one two switch two. It's going to be the sequel. I'll pass. Thanks. Right. Um, so uh, I know you're going to talk about a lot of this stuff, but we we actually wanted I wanted to ask you something uh, mm-hmm. about where you, where you're where you may be in a few mm. months. Um, mm. And yeah, so I've been traveling. Yeah. 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 So you've been doing some traveling and I know that you've said mm-hmm. that you might be taking some time off in late July. And yeah. I, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about what that was. I th- I think I think we should. It's it's been a little bit, yeah. you know. It's um you know there's some stuff going on and you know the 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 Final Fantasy uh event the the Fan Fest or whatever mm-hmm. is that particular weekend in July. But uh I I decided not to go this year for the first time. I've been for the last uh gosh, four events they've done, you know, in mm-hmm. Vegas and so forth. But I decided there was something else. I kind of kind of long overdue that I wanted to do that same weekend. And and what would that be? Um, you know, you've been talking about this show that, uh, you know, Vogue Network's even sponsored for a long time on your program. You've been talking about this for many years. And, uh, this year I thought, you know, this, this is going to be the 10th year of this particular event. 
Maybe I ought to go to the Southern Fried Gaming Expo this year. And so I am. I will be at the Southern Fried Gaming Expo in Atlanta, July 28th through 30th, 2023. That's right. We're, All I am, the way from the West Coast. We're, we're making Rob fly to Atlanta twice in one month. That's right. I'm going to. I am. Gonna, t- I'm, I am it's about six weeks apart, but yes, yes. I, maybe five. But yes, I am flying to Atlanta twice this summer. The payback's going to be hell. I know I'm going to have to do this at some point. <laughs> You're going to be like, Bobby, I did this. You're flying out west twice in a month for two different things. You know you're happening. So, so yeah, we are. We actually uh, did get all our sponsorship stuff in. Um, so, like, a couple weeks ago, that's why we're making the announcement now. So, we are officially a sponsor. They've even already put out the newsletter to all the people that had our logo and talked about us and everything. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so we are officially a sponsor. We're going to be hopefully moderating some panels, both of us. Um, I'm going to be talking to the person that runs the panel stuff there, uh, trying to see what we can get in on uh, and and stuff. But, yeah, so the end of July, it's pinball, it's arcade, there's tabletop, there's indie games from the local Georgia community, a vintage computer festival, so you can see a lot of the old stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so it's going to be here in Atlanta at the same venue that it's been, uh, the Renaissance Waverly Hotel. Uh, there is there is Atlanta Braves baseball that weekend, so parking is going to be fun and getting around is going to be fun for those of you who are coming in from out of town. But they they make it work like they've as long as there's a place to park the plane. Yes, that's all I'm worried about. Yes, your, your helicopter pad is going to be oh if, good. Yes, we're going to be. A, um, so yeah, so so uh, we're we're going to be there, uh, and it's going to be we're, we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. And we're not working the event other than like hosting panels. So it's not like we're there. Like they're going to give us media badges. I, I haven't told you they're going to give us a media ribbon, but like we're not expected to, you know, do stuff. But we might. Who knows? Probably um, still will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it is still uh, it, it's uh, it's so it's an option and stuff. And so they do have some uh, I think they've got like the voice of Bowser from the games, not Jack Black, but like they've got the voice of Bowser. And I think the voice of P- Princess Peach from the games. Oh, are some of the big the the big guests this year um Good. so so um yeah so i'm glad that you you I'm, I'm excited to see you again my arcade is not um because but but now you're gonna have all those other games uh, all those other pinball machines to get high scores on that's that's and very true fun. i'm very excited about that uh and looking in chat i see sj100 matt says the worst kept secret haha excited for rob not so much for bobby's arcade what gave it away what gave it away <laughs> like, me not attending FanFest in light of wanting to do something else the same weekend wasn't a big hint or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not no hint at all. But but no, we've been talking about this for a couple of years, uh, and mm-hmm. so we're finally going to make it happen uh, this time around because um, they, they are expanding. So if in the videos that I've been showing, you see like this big one long hallway of arcade games. Well, now they've got the or not hallway, but big one big hall, convention hall, uh, and they actually now have the one next to it as well. So they're literally doubling that space and wow. that's giving them a lot more space to do things. And they still have the hotel. And so they're able to move some stuff that was in the hotel into that other space so they can repurpose those rooms for other things. And so it's going to be really big. And uh, so this is, this is the year to come. Big year for the 10th anniversary. Yeah. That's for sure. And just to confirm, make sure it's clear. I am going to this and dragon con. Yes. So two trips to Atlanta. Yep. Six weeks apart. Yep. And Dragon Con stuff, like schedules are already kind of getting formed. Uh, panels mm-hmm. that we're going to be on uh, with the digital media track we know of. Uh, still mm-hmm. waiting to hear uh, really details from the video gaming track. But early things sound good about mm-hmm. us participating in the video game track. We just don't have anything concrete yet, so I don't want to say anything. But right. we're, we're like 98% sure we're going to be doing a good, good amount of stuff, both of us, on the video gaming track. Uh, we're 100% sure we're on the digital media track because we've already gotten seen those schedules yep. and stuff like that. Yep. So, And if some of the whispers of video gaming track are true, again, I know I'm not going to run my mouth, but just saying some of the early things I've heard, yep. it's going to be pretty incredible. So yeah. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, if you are in the Southeast and in the Atlanta area, uh, boat pl- memberships, which they call memberships, not tickets, memberships to both are still available, unlike places that might be in Seattle or Boston where they sell out in in 15 minutes and you have to buy on the secondhand market. Uh, You can still get membership slash tickets to both of these events. If you are down here in the Atlanta area in the Southeast or want to come in. So, and you might have a better time. Yeah. 
Southern Fried Gaming Expo, it is my favorite. Uh, also because I was at the, here at the ground up, but it is my favorite because it's kind of, it's still smallish. It's still only a several, it's several thousand people, but it's not like the 60,000 of a PAX and stuff. And, so and, it's, it's like what PAX was before it. Yes. You know, got too big for its bridges. Yeah. 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 Uh, E3VLS, why is it called a membership? Is it a subscription? They call it a membership, I think, because... It's easy, and, and I'm, this is kind of me kind of guessing. Uh, it's easier for them to revoke ahead of time. Uh, it's kind of a security thing is why they call it a membership. Or I also think because probably the way that they have access to those hotels 24-7, you're a member in order to access the facilities yeah. in all of those hours. I think it plays into that somehow. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, it, it's, it's, a very, it's a legal wording. And yeah, I am it's not... like you're a member of the group that has the yeah. hotel for the weekend. Yes. It's that type of thing. Yeah. But it's also like it makes it easier for them to revoke your membership, whereas a ticket, it's kind of, it's you know, if it's a ticket, mm. it's a little bit harder to revoke it ahead of time. Right. But uh, there, there's a multiple reasons, and I don't know any of them concretely. And none of you are try- aiming to get your memberships revoked, so no. who cares? Yeah. <laughs> so, Behave yourself, and it won't be a problem. Yeah. All right. What else are you going to – so I'm assuming uh, I know what you're going to talk about. But go ahead and give us a preview of what you're going to be talking about on Orange Launch Radio tonight. Of course, there's been some big announcements this week. Uh, not just Summer Game Fest and Xbox Showcase, which you touched on. We'll also talk about the PC Gaming Showcase happened a little earlier today. Devolver mm-hmm. Digital had a showcase earlier mm-hmm. this week. So we'll touch on those things as well. Um, we'll also talk a little bit about um, some interesting stuff going on with the Friday the 13th license. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game uh, that came out, which in many ways is a precursor, was a precursor to Dead by Daylight, which is a game we never shut up about. But uh, Friday the 13th you know, was kind of one of the original asymmetrical horror games. Unfortunately, going to be closing its doors uh in the coming months but we're going to talk a little bit about what potentially could be ahead in the future on tonight's show along with some other things i've got i've got a rant coming somebody made me very angry this week i'm a, i got a rant coming so Uh-oh. stay tuned i know? do want to just mention one thing because you did mention the dead by daylight stuff and just the amount of people surprised that and i know i'm going to spoil something but like if you watch the stuff you know this i mean that this person's there and i think it was rumored for a while uh, people are surprised Nicolas Cage plays video games, and I'm like, why, why are you surprised? Like, there are so many, like, celebrities that do actually play video games and stuff. It's yeah. really not a... It, Whoopi Goldberg was kind Whoopi of Goldberg more of a surprise. Yeah, I knew, I knew that, you were going to go there, too. Yeah. That was more of a surprise for me, but, like, I get it. No, she's talked about Diablo 3 before. That actually... What surprised me, I didn't know she was a Mac gamer. That was the part that surprised me. I didn't know that, yeah. but I knew she was a Diablo fan. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I mean, uh, Henry Cavill... Like one mm-hmm, of one mm-hmm. of like many women, their favorite video is Henry Cavill like wearing a tank top, putting together his gaming PC so he can play The Witcher Three, mm-hmm. and he like did this like live on Instagram of him like literally building his gaming PC. So, like, and some may go so far to credit him in part with video games mass consumption in streaming media mm-hmm. right now a little bit a little bit. Yeah. But The Witcher was obviously a huge success. Yeah. Him attaching himself to that was because he was a gamer in part. So, yeah. you know, you got to give him a little credit for that. So so everybody's like, Nicolas Cage doesn't play games. Yes, he he does. I'm sure he does. And yes, he was in marketing mode hitting bullet points. But I think he also knows what he's talking about. Him and Keanu Reeves get 420 out of their bleeping mind and play video games, that's I'm right. sure. That's what it is. Orange Lounge Radio is up next. Thanks so much, Rob. <laughs> Thanks as always, Bobby. So uh, that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Network. Come join us and interact with the show directly. I do want to mention uh, mention one last comment here about why it's called a membership just for the people on the podcast feed. Uh, Prolix, who uh, I've gotten to work with for a long time. Good to see you, man. Uh, says there's a lot of interesting minutia around the, the membership versus tickets uh, thing. Uh, like if an event has registration as opposed to tickets, you can get around venue contracts or rules that would require otherwise require you to go through Ticketmaster for ticket sales. Yes. Um, as Taylor Swift has shown, uh, Ticketmaster has a lot of rules that's very hard to get around. So uh, so I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, twitch.tv slash Vogue Network is where we record the show. You can also find me on social media, Bobby Blackwell, just about everywhere, including that Blue Sky place. I've made one post saying, hey, I'm here. Uh, or mstdn.games is my Mastodon instance if you're looking for me, for me there. 
Uh, but if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone. The show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. But we would not be able to make this work without uh, the help of chatters who go above and beyond. You being here is really all we ask. But I do want to call out. I want to thank people that went above and beyond here on Twitch. Fifth Dream resubscribed, saying uh, for 47th time. 47 is a magic number. I mean, maybe. That's what he says. Uh, Dark to see you resubscribe, saying happy 29th month anniversary for my sub plus a 14-month streak. Congratulations for that. Uh, S. Sheridan Matt resubscribed. We got a hype train in Twitch right as the uh, show started. So Orange Wright cheered 100 bits. Rob Roberts cheered 100 bits, showing off the Pride emote because it is Pride Month. Happy Pride, trans rights. And all that fun stuff. Uh, and Sean322 cheered 200 bits. And he, and I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to do the GDQ voice for this. Hang on. He just said, Hoop! It's kind of hard to do that without a crowd around. And then Dark, uh, Dark Soccer resubscribed. Thank you so much for that resubscription. Now that I'm done with all that, I'm going to hit the button that will play the outro music so I can get out of here. And uh, OLR can start. And uh, we can be ready now for the Final Fantasy 16 demo and all the other games that we're going to learn about this week about here in the golden era of gaming, which is right now. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.